Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Before you sing the song, I'm going to receive the offering uh, quickly. Then we can do two things at once. Take your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 6, as we receive the morning tithes and offerings. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. I found it interesting. Uh, a man told me he drove down here from Canada and was doing, I said, 35 miles an hour over the speed limit because I figured I didn't hear him right. And then his friend corrected me last night. He said, no, 55 miles an hour over the speed limit. That's fast, and I don't condone that. I'm just telling you what was told me. So that's enough to get arrested. That's not a ticket. I mean, if, if the speed limit's 65... Do the math. That's 120. If you were in a school zone, you were doing 80. <laughs> so the cop obviously comes up, Pennsylvania State, State Trooper comes up to him and says, like mad as a hornet, where are you going in such a hurry? He said, the church. He said, what church? He said, there's a church called Revival Today Church. The State Trooper said, that pastor drives a chrome Escalade. And he said, they have a big thing going on there. He said, you're free to go with a warning. So word is out all over the state that there's a big thing going on here. Can you say amen? Very easily in this rented facility, we could have been kicked out. We're sorry you're too big for the occupancy. But again and again, they kept making a way to accommodate more crowds, very creative ways, like the outside with the screen and found a way to keep the decibels down. And uh, the police have been super friendly. They, they love us. The chief of police has been very kind to us when they overturned Roe versus Wade last year. And Antifa said they were going to attack churches. I think there's 21 churches in the area. And they sent squad cars to protect three churches, and we were one of them. So the, the chief is a, is a great guy. I would like Rachel, that's the facilities manager here, to stand up so everybody can see her. I want you to give this woman, who's a, a part of our church as well, a very, very warm thank you from Revival Today Church. Integral part of all this, put up with a lot of trouble just for the advancement of the gospel. Thank you so much. Galatians chapter 6. See how good I am at getting, getting at uh, pastoring, thanking people and stuff? Stuff I never had to do in 21 years. Just turn the mic on and start yelling. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. <laughs> I want to thank the musicians too. You've done a fantastic job. Do you know the, you know, you don't know this, but if you're a church musician for a conference with multiple speakers, it's impossible. You get yelled at by every speaker because they all hate each other's style of music. Rodney Howard Brown hates my Uncle Ted's style of music. If they'd play that style, he'd get, they'd get yelled at by him. So then they start playing his style. And my Uncle Ted hates Rodney Howard Brown's style of music and Betty Hinn's. They all have their own flow. The musicians, if there's any lull in the service, the keyboardist gets blamed. What are you playing? What's the matter with you? You backslidden back there? Are you having an affair at the keyboard as we speak? 
Give our musicians a great big hand clap for all they did, and the singers did a five-star job. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth under the flesh shall reap corruption after the flesh. But he that soweth under the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. Everybody say in due season we shall reap. If we faint not, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. Everybody say, the ability to do good unto all men. There was a, a lady who flew here from Ghana. She met Adalas when we were preaching in Ghana um, on Thanksgiving weekend. And Adalas made such an impression on her. She started following my wife's ministry. And then when she found out that her pastor, Bishop Dag, was coming here and she could also be with us, she took all her money and flew here, had it budgeted to the penny, the Uber ride. So the Uber took her to 107 Patton Drive and then would not drive her over here. Said, it's your problem. And her credit card wouldn't work here. So she was stranded at 107. There was a man who is a friend of mine who was leaving the church. He had gone in to check something. And uh, he saw her crying, asked her what the problem is. He said, I'll give you a ride. And then he asked her, you know, you came over here from Ghana. How are you financially? Well, she just broke down in tears again about how, how there was a lot of unexplained expenses that she wasn't prepared for. And uh, she had money in an offering envelope. He said, well, why don't you take the money out of that envelope? She said, no, this is my seed that I brought to the Lord. And that made such an impression on him. He took $5,000 cash and put it in her hand. And the lady continued to cry. This time tears of joy. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. These last six months of 2023, you're going to cry a lot, but they're going to be tears of joy. Saying, surely the Lord has done great things. Now, I, I would hear stories like that in church growing up. And I would think, I'd like to do that. I don't want to be the lady who's in need. And I don't want to be the other two guys in the story of the Good Samaritan that just see somebody crying and cross to the other side of the street and say, you figure it out. The Bible says, let us do good to all, especially those who are in the household of faith. Part of the purpose of increase, you know, people say, if you get into this prosperity stuff, you put the focus on money instead of God. No, the focus is on money when you're broke. When you have an overflowing cup, you don't worry about what's in the cup. You have, everybody say too much. Everybody say more than enough. Everybody say overflow. Yeah. Instead of looking to get blessed, prosperity allows you to look to do good and bless other people. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. In Genesis, as long as the earth remains. Doesn't matter what Greta Thunberg says or Al Gore before her or whoever the next person is going to be. God said, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night. That'll never cease. And so harvest, by God's law, requires seed sown. You can't pray for a blessing any more than you can stand in a field and pray that crops grow. 
You sow a seed, it doesn't even necessitate prayer. It puts a law into action that God ordained, seed time and harvest. And the purpose of the seed is to produce a harvest for the sower. The purpose of the seed is to produce a harvest for the sower. I'm sorry if you came from a a background in church where you were taught that we're here to help God. You know what a verse a lot of people must have missed? God said, I'm the most high God. I have no needs. Then he said, if I did have needs, do you think I would ask you? Fathers, good fathers don't ask their children to help them even if they have needs. They get it themselves. God doesn't need our help. He instituted, look at every time he talked about giving. It wasn't, please give so that the gospel can go out. No. Give and you shall receive. Return to me in the tithe and the offering. That way I can continue to function as God. No. See if I won't open the windows of heaven over your life and pour you out. It says pour you out. Pour you out a blessing that's so great the only problem you'll have is room enough to contain what I'm pouring. That's the problem we have. That's the problem I'm in right now. All of our problems since we started this church 18 months ago revolve around one thing. Too few chairs. Too few square footage. Too few parking spaces. Even, even, you know, God's word's literal. See if I won't pour you out a blessing that you won't have enough room to take it all in. You can ask Patrick that runs the money for our ministry. We got a call from PNC one time. We used to use the local uh, Oakdale branch. And they said, that branch is not set up to handle accounts of your size. Please, please use our, and they told us what location to use instead. I never got that call before. The only call I used to get is, please deposit some money. We're not running a charity for overdrafts. Because God's not a joker. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great, the only problem you'll have for the rest of your life is where to put everything that I'm giving you. When we moved into this facility, it seemed when Dag Haywood Mills prophesied, and I respect him as much as I respect anybody, a lot. The Lord's going to give you power to fill that dome. I don't know, man. We had like 400 people. And, and, and we were, I felt lucky that we were at 400 people. Not even blessed, just like lucky. I don't know how anybody came. I was planning, I, I mentioned this earlier this week, when we started the church, I was getting a facility that could seat 80 people. That's how many people I thought would come. So I can't take credit. It wasn't my faith. Whatever happened here must have been that Puerto Rican I married or somebody else because I was believing for 80 people to show up. Because everything we do to run church is is the exact opposite of what they tell you people want. If you suggested, if I was a pastor of a normal denominational church and I suggested that we're going to have eight days of service, 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. till God knows when, and we're going to fling more oil around than the Olive Garden, (laughs) the board would have asked for my resignation immediately. You've lost your mind. Get out of here. That doesn't work. So everything we're doing is counterintuitive, but God has blessed it. Can you say amen? Amen. And he gave us the problems he said he'd give. You know, the other building we were in, 107 Patent Draft, I mention that every Sunday. You can go back. You probably got sick of hearing it, how the Lord gave us this $5.7 million building, 22,500 square feet right by the airport. We outgrew it before we were finished building it out. We were in the process of building it, and we were done with it. 
That's awesome and extremely frustrating at the same time. <laughs> then the Lord moves us to here. And Bishop Dang said, called me when he got back from Ghana last year. Same time this year. You know, the Lord showed me that he's going to give you power to fill that dome. I said, I said, praise the Lord. But it was a praise of the Lord like, I don't think so. Like, praise the Lord. <laughs> I know you think like that in Africa because you guys have 8 million people show up to your stuff. I don't know if that's going to work here. And here we go. Outgrew it, just like he said. I had to put 400 people outside because there's too many people. How many of you were here the night Jesse Duplantis was here? That message, and not even the message as much as the principle that he taught about increase by association, that Jesus gave a word to Peter, but Peter's partners followed him out into the sea and all their nets were full and their boats began to sink. Who you hang around matters. You're not going to increase in a church that knocks prosperity. Or if you do, you're just going to have to go uphill and buy a second car that's not as nice that you drive to church so that people don't get upset. But on the flip side, when you tie in with people that are all in covenant to go in the same direction you're going, increase happens easy. These guys that I brought in, that's, that's a secret to what's happening. Because I'm not following American church growth people that are talking about 65-minute services and young people don't want to go to church. and all st I'm following people with 90,000-seat auditoriums that are telling you about why a church should be big and why a church should destroy the work of the devil. And that grace is flowing and multiplying effortlessly. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So who, who you're around matters. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, he who walks with the wise will become wise himself, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. I got a friend of mine, Brother Jeff, that's here. He does mindset coaching for business because that's it. That's all it is. What if I got around three other pastors? You know, nobody's coming to church in Pittsburgh. Churches are closing down and um, I've turned to smoking. <laughs> To, to handle what's going on. I'm not, if people convince you that there's nothing around you, I've been waiting for a recession for two years. Where is it? The economy's going to collapse. We need to pull up. You need to have food. No, 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 no. I'm going to increase. I'm going to overflow. There's nothing that's going to stop the hand of God that's on my life. No. Everybody say, God's not mocked. Whatever I sow, I reap. Then the Bible says, he who sows under the flesh will reap corruption after the flesh. We were always only taught the negative end of it in church. You smoke, you get lung cancer. You lie about people, people lie about you. And you'll go to hell. That's all true. But it doesn't just emphasize the negative part in the Bible. It also says, but he who sows under the Spirit will reap a harvest of everlasting life after the Spirit. In due season, you will reap. Not you might reap. In due season, you will reap if you faint not, in the New Living Translation, if you don't give up and quit. If you don't give up and quit. Adam Lamb that runs our business coaching, he went to go see me in Rowlett, Texas in September of last year, where I just was now, for, for that meeting. He sowed a tithe on a business deal that was about to go through. He tithed on it in advance, and then the deal fell through. And he said, I said, Lord, now, what an exemplary human being because he hasn't been a Christian that long. Ah, this guy comes in with his suit and flies in on his jet and tells us about this crap. None of it works. The devil's key is to get you to quit. 
When the devil knows payday's on the first, he tries to get you to walk off the job on day 28. If it was working, it would have worked by now. Where is it? But you will reap if you do not give up and quit. So he didn't quit. And when I came back in June, where I just was, during those meetings, that same business deal that fell through picked up another buyer and was sold for 10 times what he was asking in September. It went up 10x. So even, even if something came that's negative, as you stay in the spirit, God will take what the devil meant for bad and flip it for good. It's a law. Everybody say a law. It's not a suggestion of sowing and reaping. It's a law. He that sows under the spirit, it's impossible not to reap the harvest of the seed that you've sown because God's the soil. So again, well, sometimes the soil's bad. No, no, no. God's the one guaranteeing the investment, not the FDIC. Not the Federal Reserve. God guarantees the, the return on your seed. So what happened this week? And this is really what I wanted to get to. Um, this week was budgeted financially as a giant loss. Because no offerings were to be received for our ministry. It was to bless the speakers who came. And Pastor Rodney Howard Brown comes and sternly tells me, I'm not receiving any offerings from me. I'm receiving all of them for you and your church. The Lord spoke to me to do that. Well, when people pull the Lord card, I don't want to argue with him. <laughs> okay. I said, but just so you know, you're, you're putting me in a position to be somebody that I hate because I talk to preachers. If I talk to a preacher and they say, um, this guy had me in to his conference. Oh, what, what did he give you? Nothing, and he had me take the offerings for him. I despise those people. Maybe because I'm the son of an evangelist. I hate people who use people. I don't like it. it. Happened to my dad all the time. And so I don't do that. But he was strong. Who does that? Who flies up on a golf stream on their own expense? We gave him an honorarium, and he gave that back. 75000 was what I had set aside to give from the church to him, and he sold the exact same amount back and then took offerings, $700,000 came in the offerings in, in, in two days, in three sessions, four sessions. So then, okay, praise the Lord. So now it's not going to be a loss. It's a gain. And again, I'm not like no faith. I'm just saying how we budgeted it. This was, the, you know, the stage and sound and all that's like 170000 because I... I'm not doing crap church. I'm not, I'm done. I grew up in that with a crackling speaker system and praise the Lord. How many know the Lord's going to work with us? We might not have the best. No, if they can do top notch in Las Vegas, the church should be able to do the same thing. We're not under a curse. We're under a blessing. Everything about the kingdom should be excellent. Everything. It should exude that we serve the top God. It's hard to tell people you're serving the best, the most high God with a stage and sound system and music team that sounds like you serve the lowest God on the face of the earth. Like a plastic idol, not even a wooden idol. Everybody say excellence. Excellence. Excellence doesn't even have anything to do with your budget or how much money you have. It's a, it's a mindset. I want to make everything the best. Amen. Amen. Hey, how are you? Where'd you guys come from? Oh, I'm from Michigan. Thanks for coming. God bless you. I know you're in Nebraska. Where are you, Nebraska too? Nebraska? He disagrees, but I'll go with you. 
Man, there's people here from everywhere. Um, so then Jesse Duplantis comes up and tells me in that green room we have at the <laughs> green room slash Cousin Eddie's mobile home. No, it's, it's, it's very nice. Whatever, whatever it was. We're, we're in there. You know, I got to say, it was like surreal having a conversation with just Dr. Jesse Duplantis in a mobile home. It's just a very odd setting. <laughs> um, Dr. Jesse said, I'm taking all the offerings for you tonight. I said, no, I don't want that. I said, because when I was at his church, I took the offerings for his church. I said, I'm, I, I said, I'm not one of those preachers that I did you a favor. Now you do me a favor. I said, I want, until you go to heaven, I want all the traffic to go one way. I want to bless you. I told him, I want to personally make up for everybody that stiffed you in 40 years of ministry. I want to do well by you and make up for whatever they did and bless you. And he, he has never spoken unkindly to me ever. I've never seen him speak unkindly to anybody. And he got stern. Imagine that. What have I ever done to deserve somebody speaking sternly to me? <laughs> when have I ever sowed that seed? I want answers. Very sternly, he said to me, son, you know, the way people in New Orleans say son, it's like, it hurts. Son, do you believe I hear from the Lord or not? Okay. You got me. He said, then let me do what the Lord told me to do on my, on my plane. All right. So that night, uh, about, what, just under half a million came in. And by the way, we, you know, then we haven't even got the mail coming next week. So we go from what I budgeted. It's basically like a $2, a $2 million swing from what I budgeted. We budgeted that this would be like an expense to bless the body of Christ, to bless Pittsburgh. And instead, it became a massive financial gain. Well... Was it at, and then that's not counting what came into the other for the other speakers. I think my uncle Ted received the largest offering last night from you people that he's received in his entire ministry. That that tent crusade, you know that tent crusade that's coming up that he doesn't have. He's believing for the money to come in. It's going to be a hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Last night, three hundred and twelve thousand dollars came in, plus an additional forty thousand that we sowed from our church. Let me, let me just say this while I'm on the subject, because we have new people coming in all the time, and conservative Christians are some of the most interesting people. Interesting's the kindest word I can think of. Interesting people you can think of, because they don't like Jeffrey Epstein. They don't like, they're all going to watch that movie today about child trafficking and hate it. They hate that, but then they also hate churches having wealth. Who's going to get the money? You understand money's not going to lay out in the street. So if you don't want the Democrat party to have it and, and corrupt GOP and, and child traffickers, who do you want to have it? It's either going to be in the hands of the wicked or it's going to be in the hands of the righteous. Well, whoever you want to have it, God already said who's going to have it. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. So Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. did not get enough money to do the Buffalo tent meeting. He got enough to do the Buffalo tent meeting and the next tent meeting. And I pray he stays one crusade ahead from now until when Jesus comes. That's what our church was used to do. 
What's he going to do with all that money? He's going to win the lost in Buffalo, New York. He's going to undo the plan of the United Nations. They're sending people in that are against Christianity to cripple the country, but instead they're going to get saved, washed in the blood, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and it's going to flip the plan on the devil's head. We have two sessions, counting this one, of what, what no eye has seen to go. Just over $2 million has come in, in the offerings. Now, if you're a pastor, you're not supposed to tell anyone that. You should be ashamed of it. But I'm not ashamed of it. I'd be ashamed if I was a child trafficker or if I was buying a private island to molest children on my private jet. But they're not ashamed of it. Hollywood's not ashamed of it. Why should the church be ashamed that God is pouring out a blessing that's so great? Because this is the last days and the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. That's the smallest we're going to receive. We're going higher and higher and higher from glory to glory, victory to victory and strength to strength. If you believe it, shout yes. And the other reason I'm telling you is because we have a lot of pastors here. If I was a normal pastor, would this be free or would it be a ticketed event? Now, how much, if you do math, let me get one good cough. All right, now I'm good. Can anybody suddenly not smell or taste anything? No, I'm just kidding. You know, I did that on an elevator in 2020. Two people came on with double masks, and it was just the three of us. And as soon as the door shut, I went, can anyone else suddenly not smell or taste anything? They, they, they hit the button like this. Hallelujah. Sorry, you're a slave to fear. Why, why didn't we charge? I'm, I'm trying to tell people something. See, people need to know what's possible. Well, we know there's a lot of expenses for this, so we have to charge tickets. No, you don't get it. Move out in faith. This is a terrible way to phrase it. Roll the dice with God. I'm, I always like just, I'd rather know what God can do. What if we charged every man, woman, and child in this place a hundred bucks and got you to pay it, which is ridiculous. It's not even scriptural, but we did it. Two million wouldn't have come in. Maybe, maybe 200,000 if we've had maybe 300,000 and we're at two million with two services to go. It always pays to go the faith way. Then the way of unbelief, trying to make sure your expenses are covered. We don't do that when we travel. I told a guest speaker that one time because he was telling me he's flying in a private jet and wanted to know what we would pay for expenses. I said, I said, what is this, a hostage negotiation? I said, I thought you were a faith preacher. I am. I said, no, you're not. I said, I just flew a Gulfstream 4 down to preach wherever I was at. I said, the pastor doesn't know a thing about it. All he knew was what time I was arriving. I took care of it. I'm not trying to get my expenses covered. Make sure I'm taken care of. That's not faith. Jesus wasn't trying to, was Abraham trying to make sure he was taken care of? No. Hey, look, strangers, come into my tent so my wife can bake you some bread. Who cares that she's 90? Sarah, bake him some bread. What? I said, bake them some bread. Who's dead? 
Uh, we'll order in bread from Uber Eats. Always looking for who to bless, not who to bless you. Can you say amen? Well, when those men felt to receive offerings for our ministry, I thought back of a few months ago. I think my wife's gone out with the kids, but she could be my witness. I told her back in March, before the million-dollar check came in and all this, I think, who knows? That what I'm about to tell you might have been the seed that has produced this harvest. Because I told her, I said, let's do an experiment. I'm going to take all the offerings for these ministries, churches and people that I'm with this week. I was going to three different places. And nothing for me. And let's see if the Lord allows that to happen or not. So the one church said, you're the first speaker we've had in 21 years that's ever taken an offering just for our church and didn't take anything. Well, when you start doing uncommon things, you get uncommon results. Uh, say out loud, common seed produces common harvest. Say uncommon seed produces uncommon harvest. That's what happened to Solomon. That night, Solomon so loved the Lord that he gave 1,000 burnt offerings. You're supposed to give seven. Okay, I'll see your seven and raise you 993. And that night, the Lord visited him and said, Tell me what you want. Your, your love-fueled giving provokes the hand of God. Read it anywhere in the Bible. Not giving, trading like a business partner. I love your... We didn't give the... I, I want to impress Dag Haywood. No, 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 no. I care. Those crusades, I'm not going to be the type of Christian many of us grew up around. Uh, that's great. Those people are saved. Uh, is that Africa? Uh. No, I want, don't tell me you're not going to see my Uncle Ted's results from that Buffalo tent meeting. You're not going to look at it differently now. You were an investor in that. You were a part, you sent that. You had a hand in making that happen. That's your stock. Anybody ever buy a stock in the stock market and you, just because you did research, never heard of it, then all of a sudden after you buy it, you start seeing it everywhere. I never noticed Academy Sports in my life. And one time I owned it as a stock, I saw it everywhere. I didn't even know what it was. Because where a man's treasure is, there his heart is. When you have no treasure in the kingdom, nothing matters. You know how I knew who Dag Haywood Mills is? You know how I know who Paul Nietzsche is? Because I care about the kingdom. Who are the top people? If I was an NBA player, I would know who the top players are. If I wanted to go to the NBA. If I wanted to be in the NFL, I'd know who the top quarterbacks, quarterback coaches if I'm in Christianity, who are the men and women that God has sent to my generation that are making a mark so I can learn from them? And not just learn from them, be an investor in them. So we took the offering for the one church. We took the offering for the next church. And then all these years, all these months later, sorry, suddenly people just feel to forgo their offering. And I promise you, there's no chance 1.45, whatever's going to come in the mail next week, was going to come in in those three churches. So I thought I was walking away from money. But when it comes, when, it, when you're doing something for the kingdom financially, you're, it's never at a loss. God will owe no man anything. No one's going to get to heaven and God's going to say, sorry, I, you know, I was busy with a lot of stuff. I don't know if you saw what's going on with Iran and Israel. I had my mind preoccupied. God won't owe anybody anything. You will, not you might, you will reap in due season if you don't give up and quit. Everybody say, I refuse to quit. 
So I, we have people ask us this. What, what do you do from the time you sow to the time you receive harvest? I have a longer answer, but my short answer would be just praise God. Thank you, Lord, that my harvest is guaranteed because you're too faithful to fail. Thank you that if it's taken longer than I thought, that that seed's germinating and the company I thought was going to sell for 1X is going to sell for 10X. Thank you that something good is happening to me. Thank you there's a miracle with my name on it. Thank you that surely goodness and mercy will follow me every day of my life. You know, to watch my daughter, Camila, and I don't want to be one of those pastors that makes their kid out to be like the perfect kid. But I will tell you one area that she has inspired me is with her. I was telling, who was I telling? Uh, my Uncle Ted and Aunt Bonnie. I said, we were in good services growing up, but we had to learn the faith message in our 20s, late 20s. You no, know, my Uncle Ted didn't have any place to live till nine years in, into his ministry. He lived at home. He had nothing. Go preach at a, you know, think, think of how pleased the Lord would be that we made up for so much. He starts out, he preaches two weeks of meetings in North Carolina. They gave him a honey-glazed ham and a can of green beans. That was the whole payment. Jesse Duplantis preached a whole week. They gave him nothing. He didn't eat all week. Ask the guy at the gas station that was throwing out the popcorn from the convenience store. Can I please have that? And when the guy saw the manner in which he ate, because starving people eat differently. He said, son, when's the last time you've eaten? This has been a week. Because they never fed him at the... At the church, he didn't have any money. He said, why don't you get a job? He said, I do have a job. What are you? He said, I'm a preacher. He said, well, how come, you, how come they don't pay you, the, the church where you preach? He said, I don't know. I just preached for a week, and they didn't give me anything. And the gas station attendant said, or the owner, who was the owner of the gas station, he said, was it this, what town were you in? He told him in Louisiana. He said, was it this certain church? Jesse said, yeah. He said, it figures. I know those people. Come with me. Popped the cash register open. This is in the 70s or early 80s and took $4,600 out of the cash register and said, don't stop preaching. So don't get discouraged if the way the harvest was supposed to come isn't the way it comes. God is not limited to any man. He's the gold in the fish's mouth God. He's the ravens with bread and meat twice a day God. The harvest is guaranteed when you commit your seed. The harvest is guaranteed the moment you commit your seed. Grab an envelope everybody. That's not how their story ends. Dr. Jesse Duplantis is not going gas station to gas station eating discarded popcorn. Don't let the devil, that's when the devil moves in. What are you doing? Look, this Bible you preach, does it work? No, 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 stick with it. Can't fail. God is too faithful to fail. God is too faithful to fail. Okay, I'll tell you what, since it's been such a supernatural week, everyone that sows a seed of any size today, my new book that's about to be released, The 20 Laws That Govern the Financial Anointing. Pop it up on the screen. I'm going to send that to everybody, assuming, uh, provided that you fill out the Claim My Offer, which is on the same website. The 20 Laws That Govern the Financial Anointing. And Dr. Jesse Duplantis was kind enough to write the foreword. It's probably the best part of the book is the foreword. I should just read that several times. The 20 Laws That Govern the Financial Anointing. I want to send that to everybody that sows a seed of any size today as our way of saying thank you for being a part of the best week of my life. 
You know, my daughter, when I was talking about her faith while you filled that out, revivaltoday.com, you click give now. I asked her, what are you believing for, Camila, in Louisiana? She said, I, I want to start preaching. I said, okay. So then she, <laughs> I told Adonis, I'm having you speak Thursday morning. I was on speakerphone with Rodney Howard Brown. I said, and I yelled over the banister, hey, Adonis, I'm having you speak Thursday morning, she, which it was Wednesday night. She went, what? Can I go another day? I, you know, started talking like that because it was like, you know, nine hours away. And while my wife was doing that, Camila went, if you need somebody to speak and mom can't do it, I got a message. So Pastor Rodney heard it and he, you know, was on speakerphone. He went, Camila. She said, yeah. He said, what would you preach? She said, oh, I would preach how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And when Dr. Jesse comes tomorrow night, you need to receive his word in order to receive the blessing God has for you. And Pastor Rodney said, I'm going to have you do a night at Kid and Youth Fire Week in Florida. So she's booked to speak. Then Pastor Rodney sent $1,000 to her for her ministry. I didn't have somebody giving me $1,000. It was hard to not get jealous. It took me until I was 31 for someone to give me $1,000. She's eight. Then you, what? Did anybody see the, the half-night prayer we did in Texas? I had, I had Camila pray because we prayed till one in the morning. I was using anybody that was saved was welcome to help pray for a little bit. So I have Camila pray. And Camila said, everybody lifts your hands after she prayed for a while. She said, anybody that's sick in their body or has broken bones. It was such a pure prayer from a child's heart. As soon as she got done praying, a lady walked right up the stairs and said, I have major hip problems and it just went away. I'm completely healed. Handed her money. Other people came over here. She walks in the green room holding a fistful of $100 bills like it's a bouquet of flowers. Just like this. Then hands it to my wife and says, put this in my ministry. So you know what that showed me? God doesn't need you to be 29 with a mortgage. As soon as... Does the ground care what your financial situation is when you put seed in it? Does it care what color you are? Does it care what degree you have? No. The law of seed time and harvest works whether you're 8 or 80, whether you have employees or whether you're a child with a coloring book. They're the laws of God available for anybody that wants to work it because God is no respecter of persons. Give the Lord a hand clap one more time. Come on, give Jesus a great big hand clap. Hold your seed up before the Lord. Father, we thank you for all the great things that you've done this week. Thank you for your hand that's on this church. Thank you for your blessing that's on this church. Thank you for your great grace that's on this church. Thank you for your hand that's on the people of Revival Today Church. Thank you for great grace that's on the people of Revival Today Church. Thank you for your oil of increase that you're pouring out on us. For this last day harvest. In Jesus name. Bless every person. Every sower. 100 fold. In Jesus name. Real quick before they receive the offering. You can put, put your seed down and look up at me. You know why God blesses this church? Because we're not, we're not full of crap. We don't just talk about the harvest. What, what went out? About a million this week? Now I'm not. This is not a pat on my back. But let's be honest. If somebody needs to build a $20 million facility, are they going to be sowing million-dollar seeds? No. Well, right now, we're in a building program. You know right now never goes away? 
After you finish whatever project you're on, there'll be a bigger project. So if you're waiting to sow till the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, if you wait till conditions are perfect, you'll never get anything done. You train yourself to sow now. You train yourself to do it now. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for it shall return to you after many days. I don't care about what projects we have. They're not my projects. They're God's projects. And God gave me one, one simple instruction. Give. Give and you shall receive. Press down, shaking together and running over. Don't wait till you don't need anything and start giving. I just want to get my house paid off. And then there's people that teach that in the body of Christ. Get your debts paid. Get your house paid off. Then you can start giving. You can, you can have that. And I'm trying to role model for you. How many of you saw us give the million dollar check to Pastor Rodney? Then what was the word we gave him? Million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. And that's exact. That was one million dollar offering. Lady comes up and drops off a million. A million came in the week before that, and a million came in this week. Now, million dollar offerings. You give one million away, and now million just becomes normal. We've had to trim down the financial report because the data they have to kick out is too much. When you're having to hire extra people just to deposit checks. That's the beginning of the blessing of God. I see your business beginning to hire more employees just to count the money that God's putting into your hands. Receive that today. Ushers, go ahead. Go ahead with the music. Hallelujah. I see revival. I see revival. I see revival burning across this land. What a great song. Nothing or no one will be able to stop it. For it is a mighty revival from the Lord. I see revival. I see revival. I see revival. Come <laughs> on. 
for divine momentum. Hallelujah. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for signs and wonders. Thank you for supernatural turnaround. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Every hand lifted. Now, Father, as your word goes forth, let your power come into every person. Let faith arise in the heart of every man, woman, and child. Let this be the greatest week any of us have ever known. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We're careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For it's to you and you alone who it's to. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted a vicious amen. 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 Give the Lord another great hand clap and you can be seated. Thank you. Take your Bible and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience, everybody say, I will experience all of these blessings, not some, not two out of three, all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops. Did you hear my Uncle Ted say last night when he did that tent meeting? Man, I'm going to miss this building when we grow out of it. I love that we have like nobody moves to go to the bathroom because you would die along the way because it's a mile from here. There's just no point. You just wet yourself in your seat and hope no one notices. Cover it with a hymnal. This has been a blessing. Even as an evangelist, to preach it like an amalgamation of a church and a crusade set up. Everything. God's so good. What a wonderful God. Praise the Lord. You're an awesome God. Love you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Your towns and your, sorry, your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Everybody say, my children are blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Not you might be blessed, not you can be blessed. You will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll run from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill, guarantee a blessing on how much? And fill your storehouses with grain. It was in my storehouse. Yeah, that's not provision. That's before there's the need for provision. The provision's already there. Storehouse. Plenty left over. You don't have to operate off the bottom of the barrel. You can operate off the top of the barrel. And you only have to fill the barrel once. Can you say amen? Then the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you're a people claimed by God. And they'll stand in awe of you. That verse is telling you there should be a visible difference between the person who serves the Lord and those who don't serve the Lord. I never understood the other kind of preaching that I was to expect, you know, to, to be worse off. I know. We'll be beat up. We'll crawl across that line at the pearly gates. Jesus will scoop us up into his arms and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what? I got, how, tell me how my life's going to fail. I've got the word. I've got faith. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got angels in my front and in my back. I've got God's hand on my life. I have Christ in me. There should be a visible difference in my life. 
And I'm telling you, you're starting to see it right now as we come to the end of time. You're starting to be able to visibly see the difference between those that are in covenant with God and those that are not in covenant with God. You better get it settled in your spirit. I live in this world, but I'm not of this world. I might look like everybody else, but I'm not like everybody else. I have a covenant with God and things are different with me and my family. The Lord will give you prosperity. I don't believe in prosperity. Then rip that page out of your Bible. and Rip, rip about a thousand more pages out of your Bible. God's a prosperity God. He's not a poor God. He, and he's not a middle class God. He's not a, he has all his needs met and a little left over. He owns all the silver and all the gold. That, that's, I didn't put that word in there. That word is there and it's the actual word. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. Blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. Did anybody hear the testimony when this thing started? Of the man who started coming here last year and was collecting bottles and cans to get formula for his baby. And he's now a property, a salaried property manager who traveled here from out of state. Don't tell me this doesn't work. Try preaching that message to the poor. That's what Jesus said to do. This gospel must be preached to the poor. The gospel is being preached to the poor because the word is better than a handout. A handout will last you for a week, but the word will lift you out forever. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God and be careful to obey them, I will make you the head and never the tail. You will always be on top. And how many times will you be at the bottom? I mean, no, we go through valley seasons. That's not a scripture that you made that up. The Bible actually says the exact opposite. I'm not waiting for a regression at this church. Well, we've had a good run, you know, but you can't stay on the mountain forever. See, your theology creates most of your problems. Because if you believe in mountains and valleys, then when God does something good, what do you start bracing for? Regression. How many know you can't double every year? Oh, yeah. The year before COVID, we took in 3 million, 2020, 5. Last year, or the year, uh, two years ago, 7. Last year, 15, 2. This year, who, who, who knows? A lot. Possible double from last year, which was a double from the year before, which was a double from two years before that. So, because I, I'm not waiting, I'm not waiting for regression. I mean, you can't keep, you know, seven, you know, the Bible teaches with Joseph, there were seven good years, but then there were seven years of famine. Yeah, for Egypt, because they worship false gods. And, and by the way, even if you're going to use that, who bailed them out? A boy that was carrying the blessing. Carried enough wisdom, not just to, <laughs> not just to turn his own life around, to turn a nation around. That's why they want to shut the church up. Because what we're preaching will ruin their plan to put this nation in poverty. And I'm telling you right now, I don't only see you being blessed. I see America turning around by the hand of God. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Everybody say, always on top. Everybody say, never at the bottom. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, the last defeat that you suffered will be the last defeat you ever suffer. Never mistake a challenge for a defeat. 
If something rises up against you, get, get a plan from God to, to beat it. I'm not losing. And if my enemy attacks me from one direction, God will knock that enemy out from seven directions. You can ask Rachel that I introduced you to that runs the facility here. We were talking about how to address some of the growing issues we're having. A man just materialized and had the answer to the problem in a suit. Oh, this guy, I know him. I went to high school with him. What, do you have his number? I'll take care of it for you guys. He was just standing in the parking lot to the point that Rachel, when he left, went, that was odd. I said, that's been my whole life. Hallelujah. Like you're living in a dream. Praise God. I don't know why I took these. This is an illustration that's on point six. It has nothing to do with anything I'm going to say right now. But boy, I look professional, huh? You know, Catholics love that back sweat on me. I've had so many Catholic people that go, when you were preaching, angels' wings formed on your back. That's not how the dry cleaner sees it, but it's an interesting take. Somebody say, I'm blessed. The title of my message today is, the, well, the reason I'm preaching this. I've never seen such a rise of curse-focused ministries. How many know we have curses in our bloodline? If you pay $189.99, we can go on a 30-day course where we'll find what curses are lurking in your bloodline and then help you deal with those curses. Because how many know even after we're saved, there's still demonic things that take place in our souls? Oh, yeah. Is that a fact? So I want to preach a message today very quickly entitled, The Blessing is Greater Than the Curse. I said the blessing is greater than the curse. Is the curse real? Oh, yeah. But everybody say the blessing is greater than the curse. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 5. Nothing drove home the reality of God's power and the blessing like this scripture for me. 1 Samuel chapter 5 verse 1. After the Philistines captured the ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashton. They carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashton went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time his head and his hands were broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. Verse 6, 1 Samuel 5, 6. Then the Lord's heavy hand struck the people of Ashdod and the nearby villages with a plague of tumors. When the people realized what was happening, they cried out, We can't keep the ark of the God of, the God of Israel any longer. He is against us. We will be destroyed along with Dagon, our God. These demon-worshipping people realized if we keep this box that houses the presence of God, it's taken everything out. It knocked our main idol over. Now that we're getting sick because we're the enemies of God. So that power that was in that box, the Ark of the Covenant, that most people only know from Indiana Jones, the Bible says it was never the will of God to dwell in vessels made by human hands. Know ye not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So in the Old Covenant, they carried God's presence in that box. But now, think of this. The presence that was in that box that was going to physical war with demonic statues and plaguing the enemies 
of God's people. Where is that power now? Where? Where? Now, was that box fasting? Was that box praying? Was that box confessing? No. It carried God's blessing. I'll, I'll bless you. And when your enemy attacks you, I'll make them run from him in seven. There's a positive and negative side to God's blessing. It works for you while simultaneously working against the things that are against you. It'll make your mind whole while simultaneously destroying tumors in your body. Yeah, there's like a battery. There's a positive and it's positive for you and your family and it's negative to the things that are against you and your family. Amen. And you see it practically. Where do you see it in the New Testament? Well, now it's in Paul. Paul doesn't have the Ark of the Covenant. He's just sitting in prison. And by the Holy Ghost, he starts to pray and sing praises. And all the chains of every prisoner fell off and every prison door came open. Iron chains, iron prison doors. Actual statue. So someone explain to me how you're going to curse me. Turn to Numbers chapter 23. Everybody say the blessing is greater than the curse. Numbers 23. 19. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he doesn't lie. He's not human, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I've received the command to bless. God is blessed, and I can't reverse it. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble. Everybody say, no misfortune. Everybody say, no trouble. I mean, no misfortune comes to all of us. That's not a scripture. This is a scripture. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. God brought them out of Egypt. For them he's as strong as a wild ox. No curse can touch Jacob. 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 No curse can touch the child of God. You cannot curse what God has blessed. And you are blessed. How many of you know we all carry curses even that we don't know about? Watch the we part, sister. The only thing that's cursed is your brain for believing that nonsense. No curse can touch Jacob. No magic or divination. How many of you know there's very strong forces of witchcraft in the world? They plague many believers that don't even know that there's witches in their family. No divination. That's called witchcraft. No divination has any power whatsoever over the children of God. Do you know the man who's saying this is a high-level warlock who was hired to curse God's children by a king that wanted to destroy them. This is him coming back to the king and saying, buddy, these people are uncursable. I've done every chant in my Harry Potter book, and I can't do a thing about it. You cannot curse. This guy who cursed people for a living said, these people are not curseable. And this was not after Christ. This is pre-Christ. Under a worse covenant with worse promises. Well, if people under a worse covenant weren't cursable, that were using the blood of bulls and goats, tell me how you, 
who doesn't have the blood of bulls and goats. You have the actual blood of Jesus Christ sprinkled over you. Tell me what witch can curse you. Can you say amen? amen. Somebody say the blessing is greater than the curse. That's right. Everybody say, I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. I don't care what went on in the Shuttlesworth family before I got saved. It's not important to me. I joined a different family. Thankfully, much of my Shuttlesworth family has as well. We don't have cursed blood. We have the blood of Jesus that not only carries no curse, it carries power to remove curses from all mankind. Everybody say, I'm a curse destroyer. Say it convincingly. I am a curse destroyer. Once more, I'm a curse destroyer. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. Devils don't cast me out. I cast them out. They will lay their hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Say the blessings greater than the curse. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel 6. Ten to twenty-three. So David decided. Here's the Ark of the Covenant again. Now remember, what was in there is in you. So David decided not to move the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed Edom of Gath. This guy's not even an Israelite. He's not Jewish. He's not Hebrew. He's an. He's a, he lives where Goliath lived. So David went there and brought the Ark of the Covenant. Sorry. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. So this guy agrees to house the Ark of the Covenant. And what happens in three months? The Ark of the Covenant remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. That word entire household means like Deuteronomy 28. His sheep were having healthy sheep. His chickens were having healthy chickens. His golden retriever was fetching more tennis balls than ever before. Everything that pertained to his household was blessed. From allowing God's presence into his home. Then King David was told. The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything else. So it's not a little blessing. It's not they felt more peaceful. It's enough of a blessing that word's getting out from Gath. You should check this guy's house out. It's insane. His flower that he planted on a va in a vase at his dining room table has turned into a hanging garden. Everything's flowing up. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. And everything he has because of the ark of God. He made room for God's presence. So David, David's an interesting guy. He's jealous for God. He loves God, loved the blessing. Oh, that's great. Well, that's good. Well, tell him we wish him the best, and that's awesome that he's doing that. Oh, he is? Go grab it. He ain't getting it. I'm getting it. Go tell him the lease has expired, and we're repossessing the presence of God. 
Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of God had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. So when you covet the blessing of God, you will always come across people. This wasn't some strange lady. This was his own wife. There are people who don't hate anything except God's presence and God's blessing. I watched a little bit online. Seemed like nonsense to me. Why was he flinging oil on people? Is that, that's not even in the Bible, is it? You deal with that. Many of you have dealt with it. The last thing the devil wants you to do is A, get a hold of the presence of God, and B, be jealous for it, where you're not just playing religion. So are you going to be a Michael? Are you going to listen to Michael? Or are you going to be a David? Because when that woman said to him, when he got home, now think, this is what people have to deal with. I don't, but people have to deal with it. David just wins this great celebration. Everybody's blessing him. He's blessed the whole nation. Then he goes home, and his wife's there. How stately the king of Israel looked today, dancing like some common drunk. And you know what David said? Uh, just a little refresher course. Your father used to be king, right? Do you remember why he used to be king? Because he trashed the presence of God. He didn't care about it. And God took it from him and gave it to me. So I'm willing to look like this and even more undignified in the presence of my God. Amen. Now, however big a church we end up with before we run out of time and Jesus comes, 4,000, I will be sweaty and doing the same thing. 8,000, sweatier, crazier. 15,000, sweatier, crazier, giving glory to God. We will never become Michael in this church that used the presence of God to get here, and now we're done. Now we have senators coming. Now the governor comes. Now the mayor comes. So it's a, not, they're not used to this. Well, they better get used to this because the thing that built this house will never turn its back on. It's not us who built it. It's the Holy Ghost who built it. Somebody say, I love the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, you won't dance in church, but you'll, <laughs> you, I don't like offerings. I don't like how they do Yeah, but you'll shell out 500 bucks and dance for 90 minutes for Taylor Swift. And she never died for you. You don't even know who you are. And I don't want to put words in Taylor Swift's mouth, but she wouldn't die for you. But Jesus, the one we're dancing for, he died for you. He didn't just say a bunch of speeches and poems. He laid down his life. He shed his own blood. He died and rose from the dead that those that call on his name can live. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now check this out. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles 15. Anybody getting anything out of this morning? 
First Chronicles 15. Let that child go, you foul spirit. First Chronicles 15, verses 22 through 25. Obed-Edom was no dummy. Kenaniah, the head Levite, was chosen as the choir leader because of his skill. Barakiah and Elkanah were chosen to guard the ark. Shebaniah, Joshaphat, Nathaniel, Amasai, Zechariah, Benaniah, and Eliezer, all of whom were priests, were chosen to blow the trumpets as they marched in front of the ark of God. And Obed-Edom and Jehiah were chosen to guard the ark. Obed-Edom agrees to let the Ark of the Covenant rest in his home, his family explodes. Everything that pertaineth to you will be blessed. So David comes and repossesses it, and Obed-Edom says, hey, family, we're moving. Where? I'm going to live by that Ark. And he goes from living in Gath as a pagan to somehow he gets permission to work in the temple because he said, I got a taste of that. I'm never leaving its side. I got a taste of the blessing. I'm never letting anybody take it from me. You're not going to mock it away from me. I got a taste of that thing. I'm never going to turn loose of it for the rest of my life. There's many Obed-Edoms in this room that this eight days you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and it's going to reposition your life. You're going to, everything God's asking you to do Everything he's dealt with you is a repositioning of your life. That I'm not staying in Gath. I'm going to where the ark is and I'm staying right there for the sake of me, for the sake of my marriage, for the sake of my children, for the sake of everything, for the sake of my life. If that sounds like you, shout amen like thunder. Shout amen like thunder. Say it out loud. The blessing is greater than the curse. What is the blessing? I'm going to give you seven things. Number one, where will you see the blessing show up practically? Number one, in your money. I'll fill your storehouses with grain. Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides all your needs. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. First Kings 17. When Elijah, who carried the presence of God, came on the scene, the woman went from not having enough to having more than enough. I never went on the train track of kicking the Holy Ghost out of Sunday morning like you're, like you're told to do as a pastor. And what has it produced? You're never going to have well-to-do people come to a church like that. First of all, I don't need well-to-do people to come anywhere. I am well-to-do. The blessing, the Bible doesn't say the blessing of the Lord will send rich people your way. It says the blessing of the Lord will make you rich. Oh, yeah. Make you rich. So I'm not trying to get well-to-do people to come and drop off some money. I am well-to-do. My daughter's well-to-do. Somebody opened up an account for her and put half a million dollars in it for when she turns 18, tax-free. Because they were so blessed by her. So... It's embarrassing having a daughter with a higher net worth than you, but that's the blessing. Blessing will go to your children and your children's children. Everybody say, your money. Oh, yeah. My dad, you've heard me tell the stories. $52,000 in debt because my sister was born with an irregular heart. We had no health insurance because we couldn't afford it. Those days are over. Oh, yeah. When I find out where my dad's at, I, I, I'm starting to lose track of how many planes I've sent for my dad. 
No, Dad, don't take a five o'clock flight out in the morning. Hold on, I'll be in touch with you. I'll have a plane to take you to your meeting. Because he went from having nothing, starting with nothing, but he didn't quit. And I do that as a seed of gratitude, A, to honor my father, and B, where would I be today if in year three of his ministry, my dad said, screw this. I've been fasting and praying and preaching my heart out. I got no money. My daughter's got a bad heart. And I'm 52,000 in debt in, the, in 1983, which in today's money after Joe Biden would be like somewhere on $1.3 trillion. I'm telling people how great God is. I'm telling them he's a healer. I'm telling him he blesses you. And look at my life. It's a train wreck. I quit. Well, who knows where I'd be? I mean, this is me saved. So who would even want to know what I'd be like unsaved? I'd be on my way to hell. I'd be a, sto- a, a, a guy with a story of how my dad's a preacher. Those churches treated my family like that crap. And I wouldn't say crap. People aren't all phony. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I'd be on my way to hell, married to God knows who. Having all kinds of problems. You, could, you wouldn't see me on Christian TV. You'd see me on afternoon television. Judge Judy, the defendant, John. <laughs> that couch wasn't a gift. That couch is my couch. That's the curse. Suing people over a couch. But he never quit. Buckled down. Got into the covenant. Then was in a denomination that mocked Kenneth Hagin. And my dad repeated one of the jokes someone made about Kenneth Hagin in one of his sermons. Because it made that crowd laugh. He said it, made the crowd laugh. And he said the Holy Ghost convicted him. And he couldn't shake it. And the Lord gave him two instructions. Number one, send that man an offering. Number two, get every book of his and read every one of them. Because he's carrying the message you need. Many times, people mock the thing in the Bible that's going to break you out of where you're at. They'll talk you out of going to healing meetings so you can stay sick. Because the devil has no power over the word. He can just disparage you from hearing it. But thank God, you overcame all your Michaels. You overcame the plan of the devil. And heard the word of God. And it lifted you out of every bondage. Somebody say, don't quit. You know, maybe I'll make that the eighth blessing. That God's blessing will put something in you where you will not quit. Say out loud, I shall not be defeated. I will not give up and quit. Yeah, perseverance is a fruit of the Spirit. That's what my dad did. He persevered. I never had to do that. And he's why I didn't have to do it. And I'm very thankful. I took that stuff for granted in my 20s and probably up through my mid-30s. And now I do not take it for granted. That a foundation was laid that all the battles he had to fight, I've never had to fight one of them because he took Goliath's head off for the family. And some of you that are here, the reason there's a battle over your life and a push against church is the devil knows you're about to kill a giant. Not just for you, but for your children and your children's children. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, every battle that you've had to fight, your children will never know those battles. In Jesus' name. Hey, is it just me or does the church feel at another level? Another level. Hallelujah. Number one, it'll show up in your money. 
No matter how much she used, there was always plenty left over. From not enough to too much. Number two, it'll show up in your mind. The widow in 1 Kings 17, hey, I have enough, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Death thinking. Elijah, anointed by the Holy Ghost, his mind worked in possibility thinking. No, you're not going to die. Don't be afraid. Bake a little cake. Sow some first. For this is what the Lord says. His mind worked to get it out of trouble. Um, Master, these people are getting hungry. We need to leave. No, you feed them. Jesus said this to test them, for he already knew what he would do. How many of you that have been coming to this church for one year have started to notice your mind start to work in the other direction? See possibilities. You're almost looking forward to a recession because if, if these building prices drop, I'm going to start snatching buildings up. If these Fortune 500 companies start selling their jets, I'm going to start buying their jets. I'm not thinking about decrease. I'm, I have a mind that sees victory where other people see defeat. Everybody say, I have the mind of Christ. Number three, it'll show up in your health. If you serve me, all these sicknesses and diseases that came on the Egyptians will never come on you, for I am the Lord who healeth thee. And I will take sickness and disease out of your midst. Exodus 15, 22 through 26. Exodus 23, 25. I will take, not a, when you get sick, I'll heal you. I'll take sickness and disease out of your midst. The numbers of your day, the number of your days you shall fulfill. There'll be no barren or miscarriages in your land. For I am the Lord that heals thee. When you get the Ark of the Covenant in you, you don't get, you don't get sick. That's why in James 5 they had to say, are any among you sick? In the early church, we're not sure if anyone's sick, but in case there's one or two visitors, call for the elders of the church, have them anoint you with oil, and their prayer offered and faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and any sins they've committed will be forgiven them. The prayer of a righteous man, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, availeth much power, and has, makes great power available, and produces wonderful results. Now, in these seven days, and this is day, there's people here that didn't even come to get healed. My Uncle Ted can't even start greeting the crowd before the Holy Ghost. The thing that's in the Ark of the Covenant, who's here that's blind in one eye? Eye open. Who's here? Uh, who else? Uh, Paul and Nietzsche. Who's here with a name that starts with L that has shoulder pain? Shoulder healed, shoulder healed, one after another. You can't get around the Ark of the Covenant and stay sick. Because sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. And when the Ark of the Covenant got around that idol named Dagon, Dagon didn't bash the Ark. The Ark knocked the head and hands off of Dagon. I see the head and hands coming off every infirmity that's ever even tried to attach itself to your life. And I'm telling you, be healed. Be healed now. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say healing is the children's bread. When do you give your child food? Once in a while? If they're good? Even wicked parents don't punish their children with food. Pull your grades up or you don't eat. No one does that. Unless you're full of demons. So healing isn't something God gives you when you're sick. There's a daily partaking of healing. My father that I keep bringing up, his prayer over food is, Father, let me bow our heads before we pray to eat. Father, Thank you for life and health and strength. We receive that into our bodies today. Daily bread. Everybody say daily bread. Amen. Say healing's flowing my way. I don't know if you can tell a difference or not, but 
after getting knocked on my back three, three or four times this week and laying on the AstroTurf like Cristiano Ronaldo trying to get a penalty <laughs> when no one was within eight yards of him, someone brushes against him and he falls down like he was hit by a sniper. <laughs> after laying in that position, I wasn't trying, I'm not, I feel in my joints so loose. I don't know if I can, you can tell or not. I was like, people, you walk funny. Thank you. I don't know. I walk how I walk. I'm not in any pain, but I, I feel loose. Not as loose as Paul Nietzsche. I think his spine's made of rubber. Paul Nietzsche looks like a video game character that you created and used all of the points on agility. I've never seen a Nigerian do the cotton-eyed Joe. I was trying to do that and I hurt myself. You know, he's in his, he's, he's in his mid to late 50s. You see how he moves, jumping up on that platform? No usher helping him out. Who told you? Quit reading AARP. I mean, as they get older, that floor gets further away. Shut up, devil. We live in a nation that's built on pharmaceutical sales. So all the focus has to be on you getting sick. But I'm telling you, we're going to have the oldest, healthiest people in the state of Pennsylvania and the United States of America because sickness is not your portion. Healing is the children's bread. I said healing is the children's bread. Receive a second touch today. If you receive it, go ahead. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody shout health. Somebody say divine health. I want you to go because that's a step past healing. Divine health. If I go, you know, Bishop Dag wants me to meet up with him on the field, on the crusade field. I don't believe like, well, if I get malaria, I know the Lord will heal me. No, I don't have time to have malaria. So I, divine health. I'll take sickness and disease out of your midst. No harm will come near your dwelling. Amen. Number four, the blessing of God, this is the kind of thing I didn't care about much until now. It affects your family. You know, when you're 20 and single, you don't care about your family. It's just you. You're the lone ranger. Then you have a wife and kid. Family matters. God created the family. And his blessing gets in your family. Now, these papers that I was uselessly walking around with, this is one of the most fascinating things I've heard in my 30, uh, what, 42 years attending church. This is an actual study. This is not some preacher illustration. This was a study, professional study done of two men. One's name was Max Jukes. He was born in 1700 in New York. The other was Jonathan Edwards, born in 1703 in New York, around the same time. Max Jukes was a criminal. Jonathan Edwards was a preacher that shook America. They did a study on their lineage. Of his, He refused to take his children to church. Of his 1,026 descendants, Max Jukes, 300 died prematurely. That's a third. 100 were sent to prison and were in prison for an average of 13 years. 120 were prostitutes. That's a 1.2% prostitution rate. That's very high. 100 were alcoholics, and it was, uh, they, they left one out, several hundred. I think it was 300. They called them professional poor because 
There used to be poor houses. You know Monopoly, go to the poor house? That used to be a thing. There was state-run poor houses for people that just couldn't provide for their own needs. And he had like a third of his descendants lived there. No time for God. And so his family got to enjoy the benefit of the curse. Jonathan Edwards took his children to church every Sunday. Despite his busy schedule, writing, teaching, and pastoring his church, he had a habit of spending an entire hour with his children every day. He also took his children to church every Sunday. Of his 729 descendants, 300 became ministers. 65 were university professors. 13 were university deans. 60 were authors of good-selling books. Three were elected congressmen for the United States. Everybody has a few criminals in their family, is the point. No matter what, no matter what you do, you're going to have a couple bad apples. And one was vice president of the United States. Max Jukes and his family cost the United States $1.3 million over their lifetimes and made no known contribution to society. That's in 200 and some years. Jonathan Edwards' family never cost the state a penny. And there's buildings still up in Connecticut. There's a pastor I know that pastors in one of his buildings that was built in the 1700s, still, still in perfect shape. Everybody say, my family is blessed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a type of guy Camila could date that the date would be over when he came in the driveway. Camila, I would talk to her like Michael Corleone talked to his sister with him sitting right there. Tell him that he's no good and he needs to go. It's one of my favorite scenes of any movie when Al Pacino talks to his sister about the guy she's dating and he's sitting there and he talks to her like he's not there. Just tell him he'll understand he can't be a part of this family. Because what a lot of people call generational curses are bad patterns that they've learned from their family. They've learned that if you get angry, it's okay to just start dropping F-bombs and pointing at your wife and knocking stuff around and scaring the children. You saw your dad do that. He saw his dad do it. So you do it. But when you get saved, there's a little thing called self-control. And then you start teaching it. Turn to Gen Put Genesis 18, 19 up on the screen if you would. Genesis 18, 19 in the King James Version. One of the reasons God blessed Abraham is outlined in Genesis 18, 19. Genesis, the 18th chapter and the 19th verse. For I know, this is God talking, for I know him, that's Abraham, that he will command his children and his household, not just teach, command. On Sundays, we go to church. Tell your boss, this is the kind of stuff my dad would tell me. Tell your boss we don't work Sundays. Tell your hockey coach that Wednesday night is youth night. Do you know how upset I was? My youth pastor's here. Well, youth night was Wednesday night. I barely made the hockey team. 20 of the games were on Wednesday nights. I thought, he's going to kick me off the team. He had a meeting with me telling me, as bad as you play, I shouldn't let you on the team because you're going to get hurt. Do you know, that's like four insults in one sentence. Not you're not a very good player. You're so bad. I feel in my conscience I'm doing a bad thing, risking your physical safety. But I'm going to let you on the team and have one of the coaches teach you to skate. But you won't play and you won't practice. And I expect you not to miss anything. Okay. Thank you for letting me on the team. 
Do you know I was so bad at hockey? My dad said, can you ask the coach if for tryouts, if it's okay if you try out with no equipment? In other words, my dad didn't want to commit the money to equipment because he knew I was going to get cut. And hockey equipment's a lot. So I did ask the coach. My dad wants to know if it's okay if I just try out with no equipment. He said, no, it's, it's illegal. Okay, my dad knew it was illegal. He just wanted to know if you could make an exception for me because I have no chance of making this team. So I make it. And then as I make it, we get the schedule for games. You're not allowed to miss any games. 12 of the 20 are on youth night. Knock on Coach Ray's door. Retired police detective with a mouth that would make a sailor blush. The way he cursed, it was like an art. It was like, I've never heard words strung together in that manner before. <laughs> Coach Ray, what do you want? He's from Maine. That's how they talk in Maine. There you are. Because it's just them and lobsters on a boat, so there's not a lot of enunciation. What do you want? Hey, Coach Ray. Remember me from yesterday? I'm the kid that um, you don't have a conscience, but all of a sudden you have one, and you're worried about my safety. I can't come to over half the games this year because I'm a Christian. We have something called youth group, and that's on Wednesday nights during Bible study. Well, he looks at me. You ever talked about church stuff with somebody who knows nothing about it? So I won't be able to come. And I got ready for him to kick me off the team. And he went, whatever. Like it was too confusing for him. I said too many religious words together. And he had a mini stroke. Just get out and shut the door. And I stayed on the, you kept me on the team. The next week, the next year, we had a new youth pastor, Pastor Barry, and youth was moved to Thursday nights, which was when all our games were on. Same thing. Senior year, I was captain of the team, and the coach asked me to please come back and be a coach after I'm done with college, and would ask me questions about Bible prophecy towards the end of my time there. Make whatever commitments you have to make. Put, do you know what my dad was teaching me? By saying, tell your boss you don't work Sundays. Tell your coach, I don't care what day, wrestling tournament's on, hockey tournament, baseball. When I lived here in Bridgeville, for whatever reason, I loved baseball. I still love baseball. And we get to play one game under the lights. For some reason, that meant a lot to me. You get to play a night game under the lights because the little league, the kid games are all during the day. It's on Wednesday. Dad, you think maybe I could just go and then... I think it was like... It, it was early enough that I could still make church, but I'd be late. No, tell your coach, Wednesday is church day. Do you know what my dad was doing? Put the scripture back up, Genesis 18, 19, that he will command his children. Now, if my dad said, tell your youth pastor that you got uh, hockey on Wednesday, so you won't be there, and you also won't be at prayer on Saturdays because, um, or Friday nights because you have games then too. What's my dad teaching me? No, this God stuff's good. You know, it's important, but let's be realistic. And most people, because they've never been taught on the blessing, they have a low regard for God's house and the things of God. And anytime there's a conflict with sports or work or any family birthday party, and it's on Sunday or whatever, the, God always loses because this is a nice thing, but really you have to do what you have to do to get ahead. But what I'm trying to tell you is the eyes of the Lord search continually over the whole earth. And when he finds someone whose heart is fully given to them, he shows himself strong. On their behalf. I know he will command his children and his household after them. That they shall keep the way of the Lord. To do justice. And judgment. 
that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he's spoken. Lift your hands all over this place. May the Abrahamic grace to command your household to keep the way of the Lord come upon you today. That God won't be something on your list of things to do. You will be a God first, church first, Bible first, first century book of Acts Christian. And your children and your children's children. Receive that today. In Jesus' name. If you receive it, shout a loud amen. Number five, the blessing of the Lord gives you faith. Though there's giants in the land, I'm able to possess it. Number six, the blessing of the Lord brings joy. Turn to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. David danced before the Lord with all his might. Psalm 126. Psalm 126, 1. When the Lord brought back his captives to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nation said, the heathen, the people that didn't believe in our God, said the Lord has done amazing things for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. God is doing amazing things for you, and he's going to continue to do amazing things. I said he's going to continue to do amazing things for you and your children and your children's children. Somebody shout amazing things. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. For those who plant in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Many of you have done tearful planting. And now it's time for joyful reaping. The last six months of this year, July through December, are going to be the greatest six months that you've ever had. Whether the devil likes it or not, he doesn't get a say in the matter. He's already defeated. He's already under your feet. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days begin right now. Those who plant in tears will reap with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed. But they return singing with their harvest. You've cried enough tears. It's time to start laughing in the face of the devil. Laughing in the face of overwhelming defeat. You thought you were going to kill me. Now you realize why there's been such a battle over your life. Because the devil knows it only takes one person in a family to say enough is enough. As for me and my house, we reject the curse. We're coming out of Gath. We're going to the temple and planting ourselves next to the Ark of the Covenant. And letting the blessing overtake every area of our lives. Stand on your feet, everybody. Go ahead, give Jesus a powerful ovation. I want the blessing. I want the blessing. I want the blessing. Remain on your feet, everybody. Everybody say divine health. Me and Camila were walking together, and because she sees TV with commercials, she goes, Dad, what's cancer? And I got ready to explain to her what it was. I got like two syllables out. Well, uh, and I said, don't worry about it. 
you'll never have it. Our house is a cancer-free zone. Start saying what the Bible says instead of what TV says. All of us will be affected by cancer in some way or another in our lifetime. I would not make that my confession if I were you. I'd say, thank you, Lord, that your angels surround my habitation, that no sickness, no disease will come near my dwelling. The blood of Jesus has been applied over the doorposts of my life. When the angel of death goes door to door, he can't come in my house. He has to pass over me. Lift your hands. I see you having the healthiest year that you've ever had from July to December. You old couples that are here, your older years are going to be filled with vacations and having a great time together, not with doctor's visits. Somebody shout amen. amen. Anybody getting anything out of today? Everybody say joy. Somebody say joy unspeakable. See, that's how you know Dag is a genuine man of God. That's how you know Paul Nietzsche is a genuine man of God. They're casting out devils while laughing. They're throwing people's canes away while laughing. I come against it. No. It's just a walk in the park. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Romans 14, 17. True religion is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and... Number seven, what's in the blessing? I dealt with six of them here on earth. And these are not all of them. Number seven, somebody say heaven. Heaven. My grandfather, when he was getting older, used to lead a song almost every, every church service. Heaven sounding sweeter all the time. People don't like singing about heaven when they're young or even my age. But if you ever lead songs about heaven, you notice all the people in their 70s and 80s have their hands lifted crying because heaven's on the inside of you. You're headed there. We have this expectation that to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. For we know that one day when this earthly tent is taken down, we have a home in heaven. Everyone say, I have a home in heaven. Now, one reason that's important to keep as part of your understanding of the blessing in your life. Paul said, if there be no resurrection of the dead, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's true. If all we have is this life, that's what, you know, that's what they tell you on TV. You only live once. Mm. Not me. If you're born once, you die twice. You'll die on earth and you'll have eternal death in hell. But if you're born twice, your natural birth and being born again, you only die once. And some of you won't taste death. You'll go up in the rapture. Now, if I think all I have is this life, then I make the decisions other people make. You know what? I'm 58. My wife and me don't get along. This younger, more attractive girl likes me at work. What the heck? Let me cash in my chips because you're trying to get all your enjoyment here before you go. That's why people go through midlife crisis because I'm running out of time. I'm not running out of time. I'm going to cross a bridge when I leave this planet. Well, there'll be a new heaven. You know, we come back to this earth and rule and reign with Christ. I'm going to go down to where I live in Oakdale, knock on the door, whenever answer, go, hey, out. I'm back. Previous owner. You have no right. See this flaming sword? If I were you, I'd just leave. Everybody say, I live forever. So then I'm not going to cash in my chips when I'm 60. You know what? Forget this. 
this wife never treated me right, and I have the chance to do this. They said they'd pay me this. You know, you can't buy me off because I'm not living for today. I have eternity in mind. So I'm not making any decisions. This is not the end of my pleasure. This is the, a foretaste of a greater pleasure that's awaiting me in heaven. That one day, the Bible says, when the Antichrist takes over, after the trumpet sounds and we're snatched out of here, people will be gnawing on their own tongues for food and beg for death, but it won't come. But while they're doing that, I'm going to be eating foods nobody's eaten before. Tasting things that there's no reference point for. Tasting food that will make somebody from Sicily say, what is this? I've never had anything like this before. We're going to be having something called the marriage supper of the Lamb. While they're dying down here, we're going to be having a seven-year party with Jesus. Well, it's a seven-year reception of the groomsmen of his bride. Music like you've never heard. You know, I can't wait to hear the music in heaven because a lot of the people that did great music down here are Christians now. Oak Ridge boys all got saved. All kinds of people got saved at the end. There'll be so much music talent. Almost all the music talent came out of the church anyway. One performer after another. Imagine getting to actually hear Beethoven live while you eat some weird food you've never had that's the best tasting thing you've ever had in your life, served to you by angels. How are you going to buy me off of that? Amen. Everybody say heaven. The blessing has heaven attached. Any preaching that doesn't give you something to do is mere theater. How do you partake of this blessing? I have one point. Psalm 92. Psalm 92, 13. All these wonderful things. What's my part? It can be all summed up in one thing. Psalm 92, 12. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted into the Lord's own house and they flourish in the courts of God. Let me see in the King James, Psalm 92, 13. Psalm 92, 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. When I was an evangelist and didn't pastor, I was in church every Sunday. When I was a child, I was in church every Sunday. You never found me missing from this place. You never, if I wasn't the pastor, it would in no way affect my attendance here. Church, all this talk that knocks church is anti-scripture. I mean, it's not about a building. It's about, I mean, your, your church is, my church is inside of me. Oh yeah, you sound insane. You look a little inside of you parking lot, a little inside of you youth pastor and youth group. Those that are planted, Where? Where are you planted today? Now, as tired as you may have been when your alarm went off, are, do you reg- are you thinking right now, if I had to do it over again, I'd have laid there? No, no. Because you're fresh now. Because God has you. It's like your feet have roots here. And they're sucking up the nourishment of the soil of God into your inner being. And your outer being. And the first hours of this new week, you're getting something. They're they're fat and flourishing, the Bible says. They flourish. Planted in the house. Everybody say flourish. flourish. I like that word flourish. It's another word for prosperity. You flourish. 
you're, if your teacher calls you, uh, your kid's teacher calls you and says, I just want to tell you, your son is flourishing. That's beyond you getting good grades. This, this, this kid's a, on another level. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.